what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Blunt Instruments Podcast. We are now on episode six. I am co-host Luke. Let me introduce you to the other co-host, Jake. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, Luke. How are you? Usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thriving. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Yeah, about the same. Um, another quiet week, but here we are again. Um, yeah, that's about it. So, uh, what's new in the Bond world this week? Anything uh, we should talk about before we get into this episode? It seems pretty quiet in their world as well, doesn't it? Like, um, I think the main sort of thing that we've probably seen, we had Sean Connery's 90th birthday. Um, So, a few things floating around with that. And then there was a new No Time to Die coin that was produced by Perth Mint. if you ever get to Perth Mint, the tour's pretty good. Um, was that like 100, 100 US, I think, about that? Yeah, I think it was £89, so yeah, it'd be about 100 US, mm-hmm. give or take. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I haven't really seen too much much else. It seems, this No Time to Die stuff still seems pretty quiet, to be honest, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, just the coin. Happy birthday to Sean Connery. Obviously, he's a, a big fan of ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a special um, announcement, too. Just want to send our condolences, obviously, to Daniel Craig. His father passed away. I think he was 77. Daniel Craig, obviously, another big listener of ours, so he'll, <laughs> he'll hear this for sure. But that obviously is sad. Um, we wish him the best. But we'll get into this one. So this episode will be a good one. Not that any of them aren't, but this will be a really good one because Jake and I are going to go through the list of the Bond actors. I have mine. He has his. We're going to start from who we rank as number six and work our way to the top and basically go through and feel like uh, or, you know, see where we rank each one in comparison to the other and um, kind of debate why we chose that ranking for each you ready for this yeah sounds good i think we're gonna have to agree to disagree on some of these yep yep and before we get started we're gonna do just a quick history here so you've got sean connery george lazenby roger moore timothy dalton pierce brosnan daniel craig the spoof casino royale can go fuck itself that will not be talked about (laughs) um so sean connery played James Bond initially from 1962 to 1971, or maybe 73 if you include uh, another film that shall not be named, Never Say Never Again, a.k.a. Dog Shit. So during that tenure, he stepped away. George Lazenby came in and played James Bond one time in 1969. After Sean Connery, we jump to Roger Moore, who did seven films and has done the most films, I believe. And he was James Bond from 1973 to 1985, followed up by Timothy Dalton, two films, 1987 and 1989. Pierce Brosnan, every 90s kid's favorite, from 1995 to 2002. Then that brings us to present day, the master himself, Daniel Craig, from 2006 to 2020, technically until he's replaced. So he is still James Bond. So let's start off with this, with your number six. 
who do you feel, and I won't say is the worst James Bond, just not the best James Bond, who is your number six? Yeah, okay, so I've gone for Timothy Dalton. He is... Okay. Um, I did he, you could, you oh, I did off the bat. I have Timothy Dalton as my number six, too. Oh, well, shit. So we're going to just agree throughout this whole list, aren't we? No, we, I, we, I, we, I, promise feel like <laughs> I feel like we will. I think five yeah. through three will be different, and then maybe even one through two, depending on how you rank that. But, yeah, go ahead. Why Timothy Dalton as the number sixth James Bond of all time? It's a bit of a difficult one. Like when you, I feel like when you start to rank the Bond actors, you almost have to, it's a very personal thing, and it's almost, you know, I I almost sort of did it on a bit of watchability, and if I was just going to put on a Bond film, what would I go with? And honestly, Licence to Kill and The Living Daylights, they're good films. I, I enjoy them enough, but they're just probably not, and never have been sort of a go-to for me. Um... Timothy Dalton, he did bring like a really good grittiness and a big change to the sort of film franchise, but they're just, I don't know, it's almost like the storylines a little bit, just to me, they don't, they don't capture the pure essence of Bond for me, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. They're good enough films, but I feel like the other actors brought a little bit more to it. Yeah, so... For me, and we'll say Timothy Dalton did The Living Daylights and License to Kill, both directed by John Glenn. John Glenn did five straight movies, starting from For Your Eyes Only all the way up until License to Kill. The reason I chose Timothy Dalton as number six is for me, he just is simply, as I could possibly say, he just is more of a villain than a hero to me. He's just got more of a villain feel and look and in most of the films I've seen him in that's what he does so I just you know I did and like I agree with you I did like both the films obviously not two of my favorites probably not even in the top 15 but um yeah I just I kind of couldn't get past that I couldn't get past him um you know just seeming more of a a bad guy than than James Bond to me yeah, Timothy Dalton, I reckon his best role is still like Hot Fuzz. That's the sort of role that he was born for. Mm-hmm. Funny film, um, played the villain, didn't take himself too seriously. I just, yeah, as strange as that sounds, that, that to me, I agree with what you're saying with, he seems a bit more like a villain and he sort of fitted mm-hmm. in with that sort of pantomime villain in, um, in Hot Fuzz a lot more. And yeah, it's just, I don't know, I just never go back and watch him, to be honest. A lot of the other films are, I'll stick on if there's nothing else on TV on I just want to <coughs> stick on a bond. Those two I just never never seem to find myself putting on. Right. Yeah, and for me too, it, another thing I, I kind of struggle with with him is everybody seems to like Living Daylights better than License to Kill, and I'm the opposite. I think License to Kill is better, just personally. Yeah, I've got them about ranked the same. I'd probably... The Living Daylights would probably tip it a little bit for me, um, but I could see how you could go for License to Kill pretty easily as well. They just, mm-hmm. I don't know, they almost blend into one another a little bit for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're ready to move on, we can wrap that up. So Yeah, let's move on from Tim. Yeah, yeah, we chose Timothy Dalton as number six. 72 acting credits to his name. None of them any... You know, I mean, he was in Toy Story 4, 
Penny Dreadful, which is a good show. Um, a few episodes of Chuck, as you said, Hot Fuzz. Then also Flash Gordon in 1980. But short-lived for good reason. Let's move on to number five. Who did you choose as number five? For number five, I've gone with the Australian, and I am sorry, George Lazenby. <laughs> So did I. <laughs> ah, so good. Holy shit. So we're going to disagree on possibly one. Okay, yeah. well, since you're the Australian and he's uh, allegedly can do no wrong two episodes ago, um, and, and since then he's made several mistakes in your life, why did you choose George Lazenby as number five? I should have never said that, should I? Um, it. The thing is with with George is that I think that the film um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, I love that film. Um, it was one of the ones that I watched as a kid and there's just something that really appealed to about it to me. And with that being said, he did only do one film. So it's that's a bit of a stick sticking point for me is that he's done one. He's the only actor out of all of these that have done one Bond film. So to almost place him above who we have left in this list, who are without a doubt the heavyweights of the Bond franchise, um, that's probably probably where I would, I suppose, put him at that number. I feel like I should have had him higher purely for the fact that I run an Instagram page that's James Bond AU. He's the only Australian mm-hmm. actor. But... Also, just to sort of be fair, I couldn't place him above any of the other ones, and I felt like that's probably the biggest part of it, that I couldn't put him above Sean or Roger. I, I don't know right. how I live with myself doing that. It would it just doesn't seem right to me. Um, and then the other two will go into the reasons why they're higher up later. But, yeah, that's probably really just it for me. He did one film, and the people who are above him, I just prefer a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. What about you? Why? Why was he slightly better than than Tim? So I have him. For me, he's without a doubt better than Tim. And the reason he ranks as low as he does is because of exactly what you said. Only done one film. I think if he had done more, he could have been. Uh, I I don't know if I. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but. He he would have been higher. If he had done more yeah. films, he could have been higher. And just as a reference as well, so he did Honor Majesty's Secret Service in 1969. That was between Sean and Sean. And that film was made for $7 million. It made 64.6. So in proximity, or I should say in relation to the budget compared to the box office, it was the worst of the first six films and then once Sean came back his film basically doubled the the box office so Diamonds Are Forever was made for 7.2 million and made 116 where Honor Majesty's Secret Service only made 64 and it was made for the same so critically speaking he just wasn't as well received as Sean which at the same time is Kind of, it's it's you know a you know crapshoot to begin with to have to go to follow Sean because you know it's Sean Connery. Um, 
I don't know. I just, you know, it's it's a tough one. But for me, the reason he's above Timothy is because he was better. But the reason he's below everybody else is he didn't have enough of an opportunity to prove himself. Yeah. That's really it for I'll, me with, with him. I always think, I always feel like he was in a bit of a tough place. Like, now as Bond fans, that many years on, we're programmed to accept that change is going to happen. And it's like, you know, when Daniel Craig leaves, we're not going to almost be like, oh, well, that's it. They've ruined it. They've ruined it. Because we've seen it happen before. And we've right. seen, we've seen probably, arguably one of the biggest successes of Pierce Brosnan's Daniel Craig. And we've seen the transition between two actors and how well that's gone. Um, mm-hmm. At that time, people hadn't had that. It was Sean Connery was James Bond. And as far as I suppose the public might see it once Sean Connery stops doing it James Bond stops that's it like like a lot of other film franchises it's like you know I don't really watch them but Mission Impossible with um with Tom mm-hmm. Cruise could you imagine if someone else came in and was like I'm Ethan Hunt now right it, it almost feels a bit more like that back at that time um plus sort of yeah you know if you watch the the documentary what's that documentary called do you know what I'm talking I think about? It's becoming James Bond. Yeah, right? that's the one. Um, talks a lot about him becoming Bond. T- yeah, that's it. And him in the time in the sixties and that, and and sort of the way that that the world was changing a bit. It's a really interesting sort of time, but arguably a very tough time to mm-hmm. to become James Bond and to take over from the absolute juggernaut that was Sean Connery, like. Set up to fail a little bit in my eyes. It's almost like once Roger comes in after him, the groundwork's already been set that James Bond's going to change, that he's going to be a different right. actor. So the success is that little bit easier. Plus, it's mm-hmm. Roger Moore, you know. That's a completely different argument. But yeah, it's just an interesting one. I I want to put him higher, but you just can't almost. Like, it's. You did one really good film and that's almost it, you know? Right, right. Well, one thing I will say, the clothes in that film are absolute next level, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the the wedding tux, all frills, all shit going on, cream suits, just absolutely fucking love it. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the thing with that one too is, is story-wise, especially the end, it's, it's definitely one of the best um, yeah. written films by far. And it did get an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes as well. And another fun fact, George Lazenby has been nominated for one award, literally one, in his acting career. And it was a Golden Globe, and it was for Most Promising Newcomer from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Wow. Yeah. So. And he didn't win it? He did not win it, but no. also Cubby Broccoli didn't give a fuck about that, clearly. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, wow, that's that's sad. But yeah. yeah, I suppose that's George. I'm I'm sorry, George. I feel like yeah. I've let the Australian end down. But yeah, yeah, it's okay. What are you gonna do? <laughs> okay, let's move on to number four. Who did you right. choose as your number four? <laughs> no, no, you 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 go first on this one. Who have you okay. chosen? So I feel like for most people, 
the top two should be obvious. And um, three through six, or you know what, whatever. I don't even know what I'm going to say because it, I chose Roger Moore. Okay. Yes, we have a different, different. one. We have a different okay. one. Okay. Now I, so now, now, now I'm about to say I feel like a dickhead. Um, I've gone with Sean Connery. No shit. Wow. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> we're gonna lose viewers. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Um, okay. Well, here before we dive into it, let's just run through each of their um resumes as Bond. Sean Connery, obviously the initial James Bond. Doctor No. From Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, and Never Seen Ever Again. <clears throat> and then <laughs> Roger Moore, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopusher, and A View to a Kill. So, as far as critically speaking, Roger Moore... His films were not very well received. Sean Connery, on the other hand, Goldfinger is a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Dr. No, a 95. From Russia with Love, also a 95. Thunderball, an 88. And then Roger Moore's highest ranked film, surprisingly, is not Live and Let Die. It's not even close. It's actually The Spy Who Loved Me at 79%. So, two very different actors, two very different feels. Why did you choose Sean Connery? And before anybody jumps down Jake's throat, remember this is a personal thing, okay? So I, I don't, I'm not sitting here judging you as hard as you think I may be. But why did you choose Sean Connery as your number four? <laughs> James we need Bond? one of the. We need one of those disclaimers at the beginning, you know, the views expressed in this podcast are those are the podcast people only, blah, 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 all that shit. So I'll that, edit. I'll edit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, I and don't get me wrong, I love Sean Connery's films. I think one of my favourite Bond films of all time is Thunderball. Um, yeah. I I arguably think that's that's Sean's um, best film, but. For me, it's honestly just the attachment that I have to Pierce and Roger and Daniel Craig that is why Sean's here. Mm-hmm. So that sounds a bit like a, I suppose, a bit of a cop out, but that's honestly the reason is that when I was writing this list, for me, it was what films am I actually going to sit down and watch? I've seen all of these films so many times now that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not not necessarily looking for anything. No, there's nothing, you know, I'm not gasping at any plot twist by now. But for me, it's what films am I actually going to put on? And apart from Thunderball and maybe Doctor No, the other ones that I, you know, just less likely to than some of, you know, Pierce's and and Mm -hmm. Roger's films. So that's why he's there. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that he is arguably one of the best actors for it. And he mm-hmm. brought the one of the most important portrayals to the, I suppose, the franchise. But also those last couple of films, that knocked him down a little bit for me. That's yeah, you know, you can mutter never say never again under your breath if you like. But <coughs> it's still fucking shite. Uh, I'm I'm never gonna say never again <laughs> on this episode. Yeah, piece of uh, shit. Um, but yeah, it's. 
this was where things started to get really difficult for me because he could very easily, easily in my list, move up two spots without mm-hmm. without having to think too hard, you know. And yeah. that I think that's the thing with these lists; they're very fluid. Like you can, these can change daily with how you're thinking yeah. about James Bonds. If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, there is no me. definitive. There's no definitive list for sure. Yeah, that's it. Um, but Roger Moore below Pierce Bosnian. Below Sean, how could you do it to him, Luke? Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you why. So Roger Moore, and before, and and I'll you know go through um, some facts on Sean Connery. He has one Oscar, thirty-seven wins, and another twenty-nine nominations. Some of his biggest films: Thunderball, Goldfinger, obviously the Bond films, The Rock, and The Untouchables. Just turned ninety, and Jake disrespected the fuck out of him. <laughs> but I will also understand if you look at his Bond resume as a whole, there are two pretty shitty films in there. So, you know, I I do see where you're coming from. You know, diamonds are forever, and uh, so <laughs> they're both in the '60s on Rotten Tomatoes, and they both did not do. Anywhere near as well as some of the other films did, as far as um, how much money they made. So, actually, Diamonds Are Forever did make a good amount of money, but never say never did not. So, for me, Roger Moore is number four to me, just because. And it's and it's you know maybe I took a different approach than you did because if I took a similar one, maybe I'd be a little different because for me, I think the movies I watched and we'll say before Daniel Craig was even a thing. If it wasn't a Pierce Brosnan film, it was probably a Roger Moore film. Yeah. So that is why it is kind of interesting for me. But I think Roger Moore is lower than the rest because I just think, you know, a lot of people like Live and Let Die. I was never a big fan of Live and Let Die. I don't know what it is. It's just not, it's not my favorite. I don't know if it's just like a little too weird for me or whatever the case may be, but that being like one of his most popular and one of my least favorites, I think that was part of it along with, I would say, I just... You know, the first few Sean Connery films are so good. Like, From Russia With Love is actually one of my favorite films of all time in any category. Um, I just think that movie's just very well written, very well directed and acted. Um, So, yeah, I just think my top three were pretty obvious, and he just kind of fell right into number four for me. You know, I do like all of his films. It's just very different. Very different feel, um, you know, just for me, too, like, he was a handsome guy back in the day, but at the same time, like, to me, he's, like, for James Bond, I didn't think he was, like, as handsome as he could have been. You know what I mean? Like, I look at some of these pictures of Sean Connery yesterday when I was posting for his birthday. I was like, he's a good-looking motherfucker, man. Damn. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I would never be, like, looking at Roger Moore pictures of him, like, in his 30s being like, God, I wish I looked like Roger Moore, you know? Yeah, it's a very different look, isn't it? It's all, uh-huh. all that sort of like, I suppose that dandy sort of look at the time. It's yeah, 
on a right. landing. Like, what, you really, yeah. could you really picture Roger Moore beating the shit out of somebody? Yeah. Like, honestly, and that's the thing. Even, it, even in the films, it's almost done as a comedy bit, isn't it? Like, the action isn't as, I suppose, impactful as a lot of the other actors because they almost sort of, it seems like they know that that wasn't going to be the case, that you weren't going to be scared of him. There wasn't going to sort of be that that sort of edge to him that you were scared of. Right, right. And then we'll also say too, so Roger Moore films, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, and A View to a Kill. Up until this point in time, inflation and all that taken into account, the budget for Moonraker was the highest of all the films up until this point at $34 million, and it grossed the most with $210 million in 1979, which today would be about $535 million. However, if you go back to Sean Thunderball, made $141 million in 1965, today it would be almost $900 million. So, pretty good box office success for both guys. Obviously, two great actors, two great bonds, but... You know, like Jake and I said, just two different feels. Kind of, you know, I think one of the easiest ways to put it is if you want to sit down and watch a, a Bond film, you really have to know what mood you're in. Because yeah. if you pick one of Sean's or one of Roger's, you're in a very different mood, if that makes yeah. sense. No, I agree with that 100%. Yep. And then for Roger's accolades, he has 11 wins, 12 nominations, no major awards. Rest in peace to Sir Roger Moore. ready to move on to your number three yeah i got a feeling ours is going to be the same here um but i have gone with the man the legend pierce bosnan for mm-hmm. my number three yeah um, so i i consider putting him at number two but yes he is my number three as well yeah so for me this was probably the difficult choice because it was you know, how how does Pierce Bosnan beat Sean Connery in a list of right. who who did better to James Bond? And for me, I think it's that's just an age thing. And we've spoken about this on the last few episodes with a similar ages. Um and it's that's almost just what I grew up with a bit more. And for me, with a little bit of sort of recency bias still, the 
the Bosnian films are still that little bit more modern. Um, mm-hmm. So if I still fancy something that, you know, still feels a bit more more relevant in today's, I suppose, world, um, that's where, where I'll go and stick Bosnian on. That being said, some of his films were absolute shite. So I always feel like he got a bit of a rough run of it with the actual films. Like, yep. you think about Daniel Craig and the films that he got compared to the films that Pierce Bosnian got. Let's consider, you know, you compare Casino Royale to Die Another Day. They are not, you know, they're just two, they're two different fucking franchises there, right. basically. Right. Um, but for me, you know, GoldenEye, um, Tomorrow Never Dies, even the world's not enough. And to be honest, the beginning of Die Another Day, until they get to, you know... Yeah, pretty much. That's that's mm-hmm. the end of that film, isn't it? But they're all pretty good films. They all have really good redeeming parts in it. Um, and I just think that he made the role his own again. And once again, he changed it a lot. He changed it from from what Timothy Dalton was playing Bond-like. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think it's just an age thing. I think if, if we hadn't have been brought up and... In Pierce Brosnan, he'd probably very easily drop down to number four without right. without too much stress. But yeah, I suppose that's it for me. What about you? I know that you have an affinity with old Pierce over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I have a son, his his name is going to be Pierce. That's not even a joke. Um, Maybe start with a cat. <laughs> fuck. I <hate> a cat. <laughs> um, so Pierce Brosnan. His four films, Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. Goldeneye, absolute classic, will always be a classic. Pierce Brosnan's films did not do very good critically. World Is Not Enough was a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Die Another Day, a 57. Tomorrow Never Dies, also a 57. And then Goldeneye with a more respectable 78%. Um Pierce Brosnan, so, and for those of you who don't know, Martin Campbell directed GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Martin Campbell, phenomenal. So, Pierce Brosnan was box office success. Um, You know, they always at least doubled their money. And GoldenEye, they, like, almost made five times as much. Pierce Brosnan, for me, I know I'm, you and I are probably both biased with him. Just we grew up with him. GoldenEye was one of the best video games of all time. Um, he got me into the franchise. He's the reason I have this watch on. All these different things that we do, um, you know, me in particular, and I know for you as well, is because of Pierce Brosnan as far as um, getting into James Bond. Um the reason he's three and not higher is agreed with what you said. His films didn't do him justice. You know, he is, I would say, aside from Sean Connery, um, especially before Daniel Craig was really Bond, like two or three films in, Pierce Brosnan's one of the more commercially known James Bond two Golden Globes, another 21 wins and 20 more nominations. So he's a very well-respected actor, and he works quite a bit. You know, just on IMDb right now, he's got one film completed, two more in post-production, 
another one he's currently filming, and two more in pre-production. So he's got seven or eight films on the way for somebody who I believe is in their almost 70. He's almost 70 years old now. So, um, you know, he's a great actor. He was a great James Bond. I agree with you as well. He definitely made the character his own. I think it might ultimately be a good thing that uh, Timothy Dalton got the nod before he did because of Remington Steele issues with uh, being picked up after it was canceled. Maybe he would have done those two films and had the same fate, which means Goldeneye could have been somebody completely different and could have sucked or been better. Who knows? But, um, you know, we talked about this at the end of our last episode. For me, he's just the epitome of, of being cool. You know, he... He has more of a Roger Moore um, swagger to him with kind of a Sean Connery build. Like, he's not very muscular, but he's also not, like, eight feet tall like Roger Moore was and, you know, not as, as dainty. And he, you know, he just, he played the character, I think, with a good combination of swagger and, you know, brute, if you will. So, for me... Um, I think I think as number three, it, it makes sense. I think yeah, I completely agree. I think arguably his the way that he balances that line, no one else did as well as him. With mm-hmm. he he was still dangerous, but he was funny. Like it was actually there's parts in it now where I sit mm-hmm. back and I still laugh because you know you forget the little one liners or whatever, and it's still actually very funny. Um, right. Whereas, like, you compare that to Daniel Craig now, sometimes I feel like I'm laughing in different bits of Daniel Craig films just because they're so fucking serious all the time, where it's almost mm-hmm. like this tiny bit of, like, comic break, comic relief in it, is right. made so much bigger, which is great by itself. But it's, um, yeah, just the way that he did it, I think... I think if we had a Bond who was able to do that again after Daniel Craig, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. I know when we spoke with, with Donnie, he was sort of talking about it where with everything that's going on in the world and the way that sort of films are going, should we almost go back a little bit more to towards Roger rather than further down the road of, you know, more like Craig? Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree with that. I think that if we could get someone who could almost play it a bit more like like Pierce did, where there's still funny bits in it, where you can still have a bit of a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does make the films really enjoyable, and that's that's what it is for me. Like as much as we can slate die another day, and that when he's talking with Halle Berry in Cuba, it's awkward and it, but it's very funny. Like it's still right. fair enough. I'm laughing because I'm cringing a little bit, but it's still actually funny. Um, there aren't many bits with, let's say, like, Daniel Craig, where you're actually laughing like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I can think of, you know, one or two sort of actual funny bits with Daniel Craig. Apart from that, there's not really... It's not very funny, is it? Yeah. Yeah, and I think he, he does a good job of playing, you know, in... Like, this is how... You know, and this is something I didn't do when I was a kid because I was a kid, but now it's like when I'm watching a film and and I absolutely hate somebody in the film, as in, like, their character, usually means they're a pretty damn good actor. Yeah. And in Doctor, or, uh, Doctor, 
and Mrs. Doubtfire, I hated him. I hated his ass. Yeah. And he did a great job playing like a stupid, you know, I mean, he was suave as hell, but, you know, the scene when he's like choking on that, whatever the fuck he's eating, you know, it's like he, he, uh, he did a good job playing. He's just a very good actor. And a couple uh, pieces of trivia I want to throw in, which if somebody wants to call this a stretch, I don't think it is. <laughs> but one of the biggest things Jake and I agree on is his ability to ride the line between dark brooding and suave and comedic, I think that may contribute. So according to his biography, his father left, abandoned him when he was a kid, very, very young, and they didn't reunite until way later in life, and they never had a close relationship. So he's got daddy issues. But on top of that, in 1991, so this is only, what, two years after his after GoldenEye came out, his wife, Cassandra Harris, who he had been married to for 11 years, passed away. And then she had three children already with a, with a previous husband. He had adopted them about five years before her death. So during James Bond, he dealt with some personal shit. You know, so even if just as a as a person, he is more of a, you know, suave, nice guy, you know, that's something he could really pull from, in my opinion, when he's making these films to really turn a switch on and just, you know, do something that I don't think Roger Moore could do. I would um, I would say that he is arguably uh, he's probably the most successful actor outside of the Bond franchise than any of these other Bond actors. Like, even to this point, um, you know, he's still in... I know this is off-topic a little bit, but he's in films like Mamma Mia and that Eurovision film. Like, how different are they from James Bond? And he was able to distance himself really well from that. And I think that comes back to being able to have that comedy side of things. Like, who he played in Eurovision, it was funny. He, it was a funny character and he's able to do that and he was able to almost get out of the James Bond, I suppose, limelight a little bit. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's definitely used it, but like you think about, again, sort of bringing it to Mondo, Daniel Craig, I think that Daniel Craig will probably go on to be fairly successful after. I did, If you'd asked me maybe a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have said that, but now with sort of like... Um, Lucky Logan and, and Knives Out mm-hmm. it seems that way but you look at some of the other actors and they just don't seem to have been able to get away from it as much as, as what he has so, and I think a lot of that does have to do with that comedy side of things you know, directors, producers have seen what he's able to do and are able to cast him in a funnier role Right, right, and you know and, and I agree with that because some may think Daniel Craig's films you know, being Knives Out and Logan Lucky and, you know, Munich, Road to Perdition, things like that, they're all great films, mm. but they're not, you know, like box office. I mean, yeah. Knives Out was. Knives Out was yeah. everything it needed to be. But the rest of them, I mean, his first, like, big box office movie was Cowboys and Aliens, and everybody hated that movie. Hated it. Yeah. Hated his accent, hated the script, hated everything about it. So... You know, the Mamma Mia movies crushed the box office. And, and Pierce Brosnan does show up in, in films, 
you know, and, and another thing to attest to what I said about hating an actor, I thought he was a total prick in Ghost Rider. <laughs> Have you seen Ghost Rider? No, I haven't seen that one. So that one's with Ewan McGregor, and he hires, he's like, kind of plays like a, um, of course, I can't think of like the prime minister of England at the time. But he's kind of, he's prime minister, I believe, of England in the film. Mm-hmm. And um, he hires Ewan McGregor to be a ghostwriter of like a memoir. But he discovers like all this corrupt shit. And um, Pierce Brosnan's like a very, very dark villain in that film. And he's great in it. But in the touch on his, his uh, biography again, he was born, his mother was 19 when he was born. And his father left when he was still a baby, and he was raised mainly by his grandparents. And then his wife, Cassandra Harris, passed away one day after their 11th wedding anniversary, which was only about a year and a half after Goldeneye came out, and he probably would have been filming one of the next films. And she apparently died in his arms, and then later in 2013, his stepdaughter, one of Cassandra's kids, also died from ovarian cancer as well. So he's had to deal with some shit in his personal life, for sure, which I feel like you don't really see too much of, or at least hear too much of. So No. Like, I knew a bit and pieces of that, but I didn't know the, the full extent. It's, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And he was also offered the role of Batman that went was to Michael it? Keaton. He was offered that role as well. Yeah, okay. What do you reckon about the new Batman trailer? I've completely gone off topic here. It looks sweet. Yeah. Um, and for anybody out there that doesn't think Robert Pattinson is an actual actor, you're sadly mistaken. Twilight is what got him started. If you look at every other film he's done since then, nothing has been like that. Nothing's even been like a blockbuster film, except yeah. for this new He He was, can um, act. He really can. I was actually talking with um, James over at James Bond Down Under, and we were talking about that because he'd recently seen Tenet in the, the cinemas and was talking about... Robert Pattinson as a potential next Bond and, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost missed out on him a little bit. And I didn't really see it at the time, but I've gone back and had a bit of a look and, yeah, I I agree. I, I've gone way off topic here. But, yeah, that was... um, Yeah, he definitely seems pretty good in that film, doesn't he? And, and yep. Tenet. Yep, yep. So, if you're ready... I think we've talked enough about Pierce Brosnan. We can... Yeah, I'm ready. I'm already bringing up shit about Batman. Let's go. Oh, you're good. You're good. I'm (laughs) glad you did, though, because that that is going to be very good. Okay, let's see. So, number two. I'm assuming we have the same... Oh, no, we don't. We can't possibly have the same number two. All right, yeah, mine's Sean Connery. Whose is yours? (laughs) Mine is Roger Moore. Okay. So, um, for me, I have to politely tell you that you're a dickhead because Live and Let Die is one of the best, if not the best, James Bond films ever. Um, I, I, I have no way of understanding your thinking, but let's not yeah, go down that rabbit hole. Very much. Yeah, that could be it. Um, scared of voodoo, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but no, for me, Roger Moore was the the actor who introduced me to James Bond. So I think I've mentioned it before. I was 
bought up for a few years in the Caribbean. There was nothing on TV, and I got a DVD of Live and Let Die, and I watched that thing to death. Um, and for me, just his films and just the way it is um, with how he portrays Bond, I I just it appeals to me. But like exactly like you said before, you have to be in the mood for one of his films. You have to be in a bit of a silly sort of over-the-top film sort of mode. But for me, Live and Let Die especially, that is almost like the most quintessential Bond film for me. It's got the gadgets, it's got the girls, it's got the exotic locations. Mm. He's flying here, there and everywhere half the time for no real fucking reason. Um, but yeah, that's that's why he's number two for me, just because of he was probably the Bond that I was brought up on, um, even though Bosnian was in the cinemas and that um, at the time. He was the one who I probably watched the most films of at that age and, and what sort of started off, I suppose, mm-hmm. this this deep, deep obsession that I've now fallen into where I fucking spend all my time talking about James Bond and here we are. And you have Sean. Yeah, so... You know, for me, it's just it's one of those things where I I feel like when talking about who's the best Bond of all time, it's people would think like it's like a younger person thing to say Daniel Craig um, over Sean Connery. But I'm also going to say just because he's original doesn't make him the best. You know, his films were great. And, and I liked each I can say this confidently. Each actor does have films that I like, yeah. which goes, which says a lot for George Lazenby because he's got a hundred percent success rate. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, Sean Connery, you know, he invented the character as far as on screen portrayal. He just really represented like masculinity at the time. I have a lot of respect for the fact that he wasn't really an actor at the time. Um, you know, he does a great job in the films. He is very suave. He is very tough guy. You know, Donnie Waldron said it best in our last episode that, you know, he does seem like somebody that would tell you to, like, shut the fuck up or kick your ass or whatever, smoke a, you know, smoke a dart with you and drink some scotch or whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, for me it's pretty simple. You know, he... No, or from Russia with Love, Thunderball, and Goldfinger are three of my favorites. So, you know, with that said, it was just pretty simple. You know, Sean Connery is, you know, one of the ones that I'll sit down to watch often. And if it is on TV, and I do, and I do find myself watching his films around Christmas time. Like I'll watch No Time or Jesus Christ, I keep wanting to say No Time. Time. You are. You are not going to be watching. You're not watching that at Christmas. No, I won't unless I no, year. I may. I may. I may go this see it year. in the theater or whatever the hell. Um yes. but yeah, so From Russia with Love in particular is one that I'll watch a lot around Christmas time. I don't know why. So maybe it's similar to you where there's like a bit of a connection, a bit of a nostalgic feel, but that is why he is my number 2. So should we move on to the man himself? Yeah. So I, I know that we would have the same number 1. Um through process of elimination, you probably worked out that mine is Daniel Craig. 
as my number one. Um, and I am guessing yours is the same there. It is, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Um, I think for me, Daniel Craig is just our Bond, if that makes sense. He is who who really sort of dragged us from enjoying the films into a full-blown fandom of it, I'd probably say for me. Um, he's managed to sort of bring the films back to life a little bit after some of Pierce's, Pierce's films. Um, Casino Royale and Skyfall, especially, I'd probably say, are two of my favourite films of all time, not just Bond films. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they are films that I can pretty much put on any given day, any given time, and I can sit there and enjoy it. Um, and I think the another big thing with him is I don't think he's done a bad film. Um, I know there's there's a little bit of you know argument around maybe Quantum of Solace and Spectre. I really enjoy them. I think they're great films. Um, the only I suppose criticism I've ever had of Quantum of Solace is that it feels like it gives me fucking motion sickness with some of the scenes. But that's it. Yeah. Like. I enjoy them. Um, I suppose with with Daniel Craig, he's sort of brought me into the more you know the brands of Bond and the aspects that come with that. And yeah, yeah, there's just that sort of I suppose what has really drawn me to this stage of of Bond fandom is Daniel Craig. And yeah, that it was an easy number one for me. There almost wasn't any real sort of thought behind who's number one it was Daniel Craig is number one and try and work out who goes behind it yep I agree um so we'll talk real quick Casino Royale 95% Rotten Tomatoes Skyfall 92 and then Quantum of Solace 65% Spectre 63 so his average is in the 80s Skyfall and Casino Royale are also two of my favorite films of all time, hands down. And I also agree with you. Pierce Brosnan is what got me into the films and began the obsession, but Daniel Craig took it to a whole other level with the clothes and the cars and the watches. To me, and I told my girlfriend this yesterday, we were talking about, I can't remember which film we were talking about in particular. It wasn't a Bond film, but... I'm not necessarily like a big action guy, you know, like I'm not like, oh, car chase. But for me, like what I like the most about Daniel Craig's films, and he's said it before and he'll be the first one to tell you, James Bond does not have a lot of dialogue. So you're doing a lot more acting with reactions and actions. I, I get excited for more quiet scenes you know i get excited to watch him play james bond not to drive a car or do this which don't get me wrong i get excited for all that as well but the way he plays the character i get excited for seeing how he moves um you know literally how he walks his facial expressions the way he speaks like those are the things that i like the most about daniel craig and some people have said that they think he might be too heavy-handed with the producing, but I think him getting involved in the production of it has taken the franchise into a whole different yeah. realm. You know, Sam Mendes directing two films. I mean, Sam Mendes, Javier Bardem, 
Rami Malik, Christoph Waltz, and I'm sure I'm missing, I mean, obviously Judy Dench, um, Ray Fiennes, all these Oscar winners in these films. Like, yeah. come on. You know what I mean? It's like Daniel Craig is, I think, for the first time really ever. And obviously, back in the day with Sean Connery, it was probably the case. I mean, they've always had basically the best of the best or the it people at the time. But you could say, you know, for Pierce Brosnan, I know there was talk of in Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, Anthony Hopkins was supposed to play what's his face. But, yeah. you know, it's like, why didn't he? You know, I mm-hmm. and maybe I can do some research research and find out that my thought process is wrong. But it's like, if people get offered to do a Daniel Craig Bond film, they're not saying no, no matter who no. they are. You know what it's I mean? Like, like, you think about how famous Rami Malek is at the moment. He doesn't need to do this. Um, no. He he is doing pretty well for himself. Like um, after that, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody and that, he won an Oscar. He's he is a big get for the films, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you actually look at, I don't know, this might be a little bit of a further stretch, but even the soundtracks with it, like extremely famous people. I know that most of them have been, but we're talking about very, very sort of high-caliber people who have been brought in with the Craig films. Like, they have almost sort of... They've become their own little world, in my opinion, with how famous they are. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just... It's almost just a different level, I think, at the moment, compared to maybe Pierce Bosnan. I think it's just because people enjoy them. That's the honest, honest reason. Like you can talk to a, a casual Bond fan, and they enjoy Daniel Craig's portrayal of it, compared to some of Bosnans or you know trying to put on an older film can sometimes be a bit of a struggle with someone who's not, you know, has the same sort of I suppose involvement in it. But yeah, hands down for me, just uh, I agree with what you were saying about the production. I think. Even looking through the clothes and things like that, him having that sort of involvement in it, I, I enjoy it because he's bought mm-hmm. clothing brands and that light. Even in this latest film, Massimo Alba, it's his own, you know, he enjoys wearing the clothes. He's mm-hmm. brought that into a Bond franchise, which that to me, I, I just find it exciting because it's he's helping make these films better, in my view. He's saying that, James Bond should wear clothes that he maybe wears because he knows that he feels comfortable in them. Um, I haven't sort of heard of that before. And yeah, there's a lot that I can sing his praises for, I reckon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did just fact check too. So they offered Anthony Hopkins the part of Elliot Carver and he did turn it down. Yeah. So, you know, now with, with Daniel Craig, if they say we want Remy Malik to play this character, I, I, you know, for starters, you know, he's getting a huge payday. Yeah. Because they've got the budget for it. Number two, fresh off an Oscar, which they had probably already been in talks. But I think what the talks are is I'd like to see a little bit of a script, which we've all heard the rumors that there really wasn't a script and all this bullshit. He probably wanted to know a little bit about his character and a little bit about the story. And that's probably all he needed to accept that role because, yeah. you know, Daniel Craig Casino Royale was a game changer, an absolute mm-hmm. game changer. And the reason I as well don't hate on quantum or Spectre is because 
maybe I'm a little biased at Daniel Craig as far as Bond can do no wrong, but they are still good films in the scheme of films in general. They're great films. Yeah. Spectre is a Sam Mendes movie. You've got Christoph Waltz, Lea Seydoux, all these people in the film. You know, it's just, and for me, it's like some of the, some of the best outfits came from Spectre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, unfortunately, some of the shit I look for in these films, Spectre, you know, hit a lot of those check or those boxes, checked a lot of those boxes. So I agree with you. I think, uh, Daniel Craig was, you know, the number one and who fell behind him was, was the difficult task. What else could you add about Daniel Craig? One thing I do want to say too is, before Skyfall, these films had made $12.5 billion. And then Skyfall and Spectre alone almost account for $2 billion post that, which I could easily see No Time to Die making a billion. Yeah. Casino Royale and Quantum made basically $600 million each. Um you know, he's he's got it all. He's a phenomenal actor. He's a phenomenal James Bond, and they make a ton of money with him at the helm. My my honest thing with Daniel Craig is, and I suppose this is a bit of a, a testament to how much I do enjoy it, he is getting on a little bit in age. Um, I'm not saying he's old, but he is getting older with, with the role, and I know we've done a whole other episode about who should be the next James Bond. If he turned around after No Time to Die and said... No, I want to do another one. I want to make my money. I wouldn't care. I would be happy. I would, right. you know, I wouldn't be saying no. You should be out the door. And I think that's a a testament enough to him that I still feel like after what well, that that'll be five films, I'd still want to see him in another film. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I I know it's not going to happen, but that's literally the point that that I suppose I sort of make with it. Yeah, yeah. For me, I agree too, and. Um, Jason Kim, when we had him on, had a lot of good points, but with no time to die, Kerry Fukunaga, he's got a pretty good resume. He was a cinematographer. The film does look stunning with the hiring of a cinematographer from, I believe, La La Land and First Man. Um, They've just, you know, Jason had a good point. The crew that they assembled behind this film, if we want to move into talking a little bit about no Time to Die looks incredible. I mean, and I guess that at the same time is a testament to Daniel Craig. And it's funny, too, because when they first started filming this No Time to Die and there was some rumors about how he was a pain in the ass to work with and shit, I didn't believe that. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. can see him being, like, kind of a dick. I could definitely see that. But not, like, on a film set. You know, no. that that I, you know, and then it's like, you're trying to tell me that he's apparently not great to work with and yet they've got the best director they brought on Phoebe Waller-Bridge to co to help, you know, rejuvenate the script. Like you've got the best director, you know, you've got unbelievably sought after writer right now. Like nobody's as hot as Phoebe Waller-Bridge when it comes to writing shit right now. I just, I don't, who could possibly be, you know what yeah. I mean? Like killing Eve and, um, she does Mar- Mrs. Mar- Marvelous and Mrs. Maisel too, right? Isn't that her? I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'm not too sure. I think the only other one that I think I know I've seen of hers is Fleabag, which again oh, is right, right, right. incredible. Um, yeah, I 
could not sing her praises enough. Um, yes, yes. So Fleabag, you're right. Fleabag, people keep winning things for that. She doesn't do yeah. Marvelous Miss Maisel. But the BAFTA nominations just came out. And, of course, who's the top of every headline? Jodie Comer leading the yeah. nominations for Killing Eve. I mean, that yeah. show's phenomenal. You know what I mean? It's just they've they've brought the most attractive casting crew to this film and you know i don't see it being that way without daniel craig i just don't and i think what they're they've done and what they're trying to do and i know we can get into a whole you know we could talk for an hour on james bond and it's you know what people are saying about it becoming more woke I learned that word the other day. I saw that. Oh, nice. I've yeah, so I only use it. Um, it's more, finally made its way down on the mate. Yeah, I was fucking kept in wokeness, and I was like, what the fuck are people talking about? Um, but now I understand it, and that's good. Um, but we could do a whole other episode on that. My opinion that he is trying to bring the film a bit more into the 21st century, I cannot be more grateful because I think that's what it needs, and I think that's what it needs to continue to survive. And by having cast like they have, by having these strong leading ladies in it as well, with um, not only sort of Leah Sadu, but also um, Lashana Lynch having writers mm-hmm. like Phoebe Waller-Bridge in it, it makes me excited for this film even more than I was already, and it makes me excited for the future of the franchise, that they are progressive and they're willing to to move with the times and I think a big part of that is Daniel Craig I know that he had a big say in in hiring Phoebe Waller-Bridge and yeah there's just for me I I can't wait to see what the film's like but also what it's like going forward as well following on that same sort of trajectory here we go yeah and like you know while we're on it too because we can talk about No Time to Die all day, and we can talk about Daniel Craig, but when it comes to how stellar the facts are around this film and Daniel Craig, let's look into that briefly here before we move on. So you've got Neil Purvis and Robert Wade coming back. That's a Daniel Craig thing, 100%. Yeah. Then you bring in Phoebe Waller-Bridge and... Bear with us, because I'm going to be fact-checking as we go. But Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is a relatively newcomer as far as popularity, since she's become popular, she has one Golden Globe, 23 wins, and 27 nominations. And I'm pretty sure that's multiple, multiple nominations for Golden Globes, Emmys, things around that sort. So... Now that you've taken care of the writers, you start heading down the list of the actors, aside from the obvious being Daniel Craig, who has already had a stellar year with Knives Out. You've got probably the hottest actress out right now being Ana de Armas, and I'm not talking physically Donnie Waldron, even though we agree. She's having a hell of a year, a hell of a year in multiple ways. Then you go down to Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes... Is legendary at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, Hannibal films, Grand Budapest Hotel, Schindler's List. It goes on and on. I mean, this guy when he came on, two Oscar nominations, forty-one wins, and a hundred and three 
other nominations. Okay, then Leia Sedu, incredibly talented French actress. You know, it's like they're also bringing in actresses that are more famous in other countries, but are the most sought after actors or actresses in those particular countries. You know what I mean? She has 44 acting credits with fucking IMDb. All these ads and shit. I don't care about your ads, man. 17 wins, 34 nominations. Rami Malek just won an Oscar. Christoph Waltz, is he two for two with Oscar nominations? I feel like he's either two for two or two for three. Yeah, something like that. He's he's done pretty well with it. Yeah. So then you've got Christoph Waltz, two Oscars, Naomi Harris, unbelievably talented actress, fresh off an Oscar nomination for, I always forget the name of that effing movie, too, that she just hit, Moonlight. Yeah. 23 wins, 58 more nominations. Ben Wishaw. Jeffrey Wright, Rory Kinnear, Lashana Lynch. I mean, Ben Wishaw is an incredibly talented stage actor as well, from Mm -hmm. what I understand. Jeffrey Wright, his popularity skyrocketing because of Westworld. Rory Kinnear, very talented. He was in that Penny Dreadful as well with uh, Timothy Dalton, shout out. But, you know, you're like top 10 build actors and majority of them either have Oscars, have been nominated for Oscars, or are incredibly talented. And it's not just because of your Christmas Jones, Denise Richards, oh, she's incredibly good-looking, even though she can't act, she's the it girl, let's hire her. These people aren't the it guy or girl because of their physical appearance. It's the entire package. So I highly, highly... I don't know. I'm saying that wrong. I really believe that these casts and crews would not be as rounded out as they are without Daniel Craig. I just no, really I don't. I think you look back on the other films and you just don't have that caliber there. Like exactly like you said, the Bond girl would be would be almost brought in less for the acting skills, more for what she looked like. Um, right. Bar maybe a couple of them, but. Yeah, it's just a whole different almost feel to it, isn't it? Like, it's just... Right. It's built around the film and not just how it looks, which it looks amazing as well, um, which is almost an added bonus, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That That's how it sort of feels a bit to me. So, yeah, we will see what November, fingers crossed, brings us. So, to piggyback off of what we just talked about and how Daniel Craig has brought some of the most talented actors and actresses to the films, probably most notably your Rami Malek's, Christoph Waltz, Javier Bardem. Pierce Brosnan, I think, did that with really just one person. Okay. And I'm saying... This, the cast were not rounded out. They had good actors. I mean, Judy Dench is amazing. You know, there there was two, three really talented actors. Who do you think was the best? And I've got my answer, and I'm looking at this person right now. Yeah. Who do you think was the most talented, sought after, you know, whole package actor or actress in the Pierce Brosnan 
films. Obviously, aside from James Bond himself, who do you think was the best casting that they did in the four films? Just one person. Oh, the best casting. I'm just having a look through because I want to get a good one for this. That's difficult. Um, I would probably say I'm going to go to Goldeneye and I am probably going to go with Sean Bean. That Ooh, would be... That is a good one. That would be my answer. Um, I know at the time he was, he obviously did have a, a fair bit of sort of... Um, you know, power behind him. I'd either go with Sean Bean or Alan Cumming. Um, Alan Cumming for the fact that Alan Cumming is a fantastic actor. Um, he's still very active now. He's actually very active over here in Australia. He works a lot with the the Adelaide Fringe Festival over here. Um, okay. Is it the Adelaide Fringe? Something like that. One of these sort of festivals. But in terms of, I suppose, star power and who's gone on to do great things, Sean Bean. But Alan Cumming was... A bit more, um, more stage focused. Had a lot of credits behind that, and was just a good actor. Um, mm-hmm. Used well on Goldeneye, but yeah, that's probably they're the two that I'm going with. What about you? So for me, um, it's kind of an easy one. Sean Bean's a good one, actually. I mean, obviously Alan Cumming's very good, huge stage actor as well. Um, it's difficult for me because. She is an incredibly good actor, and she's very, very popular, A-lister. But I still, Halle Berry. It was uh, just a weird, yeah. in a sense, though, it was still kind of a weird casting choice, though. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Because just, like, the chemistry between the two of them, I don't feel is there. Boy. Yeah. I am. Um, she is. She is. I know this might sound... Stupid to say. She is too good to be in that film as mm-hmm. an as an actor. She is too good. And you look at the films that she's done afterwards, um and just the success that she's had, she was too good to be in that film. Um at that time. But once again I suppose that's just the pull of the James Bond franchise managing to get someone of that sort of calibre in there and yeah, that's a that's a really good choice, actually. I like that one. Yeah, it's just weird to me because I watched that one recently because, you know, I'm still going through watching them all over and I just couldn't really put my finger on what I didn't like about the casting because I do like Halle Berry a lot. Yeah. Just, it, they just had no chemistry to me and I feel like it's certain things like that that may have, you know, kind of put a damper on his success. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. It's um, it's almost like you can have all of these amazing parts, but if they don't come together, you're still going to end up with a bunch of shit, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, that's my sort of view on on a lot of Pierce Bosnian films, unfortunately. Goldeneye was, you have a bunch of these great parts, and then they create a great film, um, compared to maybe, you know, The World's Not Enough, where you can try and get all of these like we were saying, you know, Denise Richards, people like that, all of these it girls and great things, and then you put them together and it just becomes a bit of a jumbled mess. Right, right. And then one thing I want to add to, and I'm going to say this very quickly because if I'm wrong, I'll get chewed out, but I don't think I am. In all of Pierce Brosnan's films, only two people that acted alongside him 
have Oscars, and it is Halle Berry and Judy Dench. That's it. Wow. That's um that's pretty stiff. And I'm pretty sure that includes directors. And then if you take a look at something like No Time to Die. It's a bit different. <laughs> you know, I mean you've got two at least, just with the bad guys, and you've for the yeah. his last three films you've got Javier Bardem, Rami Malik, and Christoph Waltz, Judy yeah. Dench. And and nominees as well. I think I don't even think um I'm trying to think one of them. Um I actually didn't look at Alan Cumming. I don't think he has one. But No, um, I don't think so. What's his face? I always think of what's his, I always forget his name that played Elliot Carver. He was nominated. He didn't win any though. Sucks. He sucks. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what and we did get a question. Do you want to answer a question okay. real quick from the fans? Yep. That sounds good. Okay, so this is from Common007. Yeah. What's going on, buddy? He asks you and I, what's your most treasured 007 possession? You can go first. That's a good question. Um, most treasured? I... Oh. No, you go first. I'm having to think. So mine's mine's easy. It's it's definitely the the Seamaster three hundred. Yeah, and uh, was, I think the reason. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say my watch as well, but then I realized it's not actually directly from a James Bond film, so I'm not sure if that counts. Right, but, right. Uh, we'll we'll do this. We can each say that because I feel like it's just the easiest because of the sheer difficulty to achieve. But yeah, um, you know, mine. I the reason I did say mine is obviously because I made sure. Technically, it is the model from Goldeneye. Um, Lorenzo at Omega Bond Watch has told me that there is some slight variations, but it is is the model, the same model from yeah. Goldeneye. Um, so that would be mine. But as, aside from the watch, I would have to say this is a tough one, actually. I, I have no idea. What do you, um, do you have any idea other than your watch? Yeah, I I just thought of mine, and mine without a doubt is my um, Crockett and Jones hybrids. So I've had them for pretty much since they they sort of got revealed back that they were coming back in No Time to Die. Um, <laughs> I when I'm at work, which feels like a long time ago, back in the office, um, I lived in them. They were the best shoes that I've owned um, in yeah. terms of you know. How they feel, how they look, I love them. So that's that's my option. I'm going with my hybrids. Okay, I'll go along the same lines then, and I'll say the Billy Reed coat from Skyfall. Nice. When that when it's cold, dude, that's all I've got on. Yeah, I have the gray one though. I don't have the black one. I got the gray one instead. I wanted to be. I wanted to get something a little different. Yeah, nice. Well, that was a good question. Am I just think? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Common007, for that. Jake, anything else you want to add before we get going here? No, I think that's another good week done. Perfect. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you guys next week. See ya.